Hi, I'm Chesney in Aarhus, Denmark. And I'm Weldon in Nice or Saint France. And you're listening to American on the Outside. So, Chesney, it's rentree. Uh, all of Europe returns from vacation, as I just did. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, and back to school, back to work. It's a whole, a whole new, whole new world. What? How? How was your vacation? Uh, the vacation was, well, it was good. It was good to. Uh, we spent three weeks in the U.S. Mm. And uh, it was kind of surprising. Uh, we spent time in D.C. where we sort of were living before. And it's something of a ghost town right now. Really? Any any reason? Did you get a, a so, feel for why? Well, we were staying downtown uh, near the White House. Um, and all of those federal buildings are basically empty. Wow. Because most of the departments are still working... Uh, largely remotely. Sure. Uh, and that means all the restaurants and stores and stuff on like 8th Street and 14th Street and whatever are all closed. Sure. Uh, and there was no traffic. It was just, it was not what I expected uh, even from the middle of summer in D.C. It was really uh, empty. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, you think about a large city, especially a capital city, even when uh, government isn't in session, you still think of it as being very bustling. But I don't get the sense that that is true for for DC. It's 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 really just about government there. From my two times that I visited Washington DC, especially like in the center of DC, you have to go outside, I guess, to get to anything industrial or yeah and the the suburbs still had activity i it's mm. uh it, it really was just sort of the the downtown government part of dc mm. but it was it was really striking uh how empty it was but but congress was was or wasn't in session when you were there i think they were there was uh, they passed laws so yes <laughs> um are they are they working remotely or are they in the Capitol building? I mean, they're in the Capitol both? building. Uh, I know they have some protocols worked out so that some of their work can be done remotely. Mm. So a lot of the staffers, like the research assistants and whatever, the people doing work, a lot of the legwork, yeah, legwork or work for citizens in the district, they they don't mm. have to be in the office. Right. But the representatives themselves are are still going in. So, wow. And so you you went to DC for how long were you in DC? Uh, we were in DC for a little less than a week. The whole trip was Boston, New Hampshire, Richmond, DC, Ch- New York, Chicago, DC, Boston. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, it's a it, it's a long story. Oh but <laughs> wow, wow! You must be exhausted. That sounds like a lot of getting on a plane and flying to a place and well and so unpacking. yeah we hadn't really um we hadn't done much travel at all since the pandemic started and so this mm-hmm. was uh, the big thing was this was our first real jet lag in a long time 
and mm. I had forgotten uh, like how really debilitating that is. Like we were not meant to change six time zones in one day. No, we really, really aren't. I've, I always, well, I've, I've, a, I can't sleep on planes anyway. I don't know what it is about flying. It, the chairs are uncomfortable. There's mm-hmm. lots of movies to catch up on that I haven't seen. And I just, I don't sleep at all. And then add to that, if I travel with the kids, you know, you're constantly up and down and trying to keep them from right. kicking seats in front of you or <laughs> raising, lowering the tray table or the blinds. It's, it's, you're just on the whole flight. And I, it takes me like four days on the other side to like feel like a human being again. Um, yeah. It, well, it's, it's not symmetrical. Uh, going west is a lot easier, at least for me, than going east. I found that to be true the first time I flew from from Chicago to Beijing. I was fine. I don't know why. I was okay. But then when we flew back from from Seoul to San Francisco, I mm-hmm. thought I was going to die. Oh, my God, I, yeah. I really thought I was going to die. That is... I had never been so tired in my life. And it's like the kind of tired that you can't breathe. And you're nauseous and you're and achy. Nauseous. Yeah, yes. yeah, totally. Oh, and you're like, and this is before kids too. Like this is, so I didn't even have that excuse. But I, yeah, it was, I do not handle that part well. And any, anytime you fly like six hours, I don't think it matters which way you're going. If you fly yeah. from like a 12-hour flight oh my god that's also terrible yeah the longest flight i've been on was was 12 hours and it um it was getting like a hieronymus bosch painting towards towards the end of it there like just uh yeah shapes were bending in my mind and yeah yeah i don't know how like travel bloggers or vloggers or people on the internet do it. I don't know how they get on a plane and go somewhere and then are on enough to be able to function to go and see things and then be coherent enough to write right, scripts right. or text or anything. I'm just, I'm a babbling mess. I'm just blah, blah, blah. And apparently yeah. Australia, what's their airline? Qantas? Yes, Qantas. Qantas, even during the lockdown, was offering just long haul flights out over the ocean and back for people who missed sitting in a plane for 10 hours. No. <laughs> right? Like <laughs> No, I mean, no. I'm not that person. I like flying. It's fine. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm more of a destination and not the journey when it comes to uh, <laughs> to the flying the flying thing. Uh, yeah. I, I can I can definitely feel your pain. I definitely remember, and I definitely know what it's like to have to go from place to place and ping pong around. That is exhausting too. You totally. never feel like you catch your catch your breath. Um, you're, you want to see all the people. Sure. But I I don't know. It's it's kind of also when you fl- when you're that jet lagged, and then you have all the bouncing around to do. 
I always feel like I'm shortchanging everybody in that situation because I'm not a human being at that point. I'm, like I said, I'm just a ball of like babbling incoherentness and I just want to sleep and (laughs) I don't know. It's yeah. So I definitely, definitely feel, feel you on, on that. How did, how did you find other than DC being a, a ghost town? How 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 was the rest of the <laughs> of the country? Uh, well, saw? New Hampshire was lovely as always uh, in sort of the middle of summer. Um, Richmond, I mean, it was it's Virginia. It was hot, but we were spending time with uh, my brother and nephews and mm-hmm. sister in law, and so that was great. Um, well, and then we went to Chicago, which is where my employer is and I'd never actually met the people I work for before so this was a this was a chance to do that how was that oh it was good it was they're great people um and we uh went to a very nice uh Rick Bayless restaurant uh one evening so we sort of got out and in right as France was changing it's uh it's it's COVID regime, uh, we have this now app that we keep on our phone. I think we were talking about that last time that stores my mm. my COVID vaccination date and all my negative tests. Um, sure. And that seems to be working fairly well. We still have to, uh, here in France now, we still have to uh, show this proof of vaccination uh, if we want to go to a restaurant or a museum or something, uh, is is Denmark doing something on on those lines? Well, as of Friday, September the tenth, all COVID restrictions have been lifted in Denmark. We are officially a post-COVID nation, so says the Danish government. We no longer are interesting. required. <laughs> uh, yes, it is very interesting. We are no longer required to show our vaccine passports. For anything, um, all of all of the stickers on the floor have been taken up. Um, there's there's no masking. There's no social distancing requirements. There's no limits on occupancy, as far as I know. Um, it's all back to because that's you know, that's farther than I think Florida has gone actually. <laughs> well. We have achieved 80% immunization. Ah, okay. Well, that that is a difference, yeah. So, or either immunization or um, natural immunity, essentially. So, through people mm-hmm. who have already... Right, had it. Had it, right. So, um, they've... It's a post-COVID world here in Denmark. I'm still masking in very crowded spaces because I have three children who are mm-hmm. not vaccinated mm-hmm. and as we all know the Delta variant is not sparing children so um, right. we we still mask we still try and social distance we still carry hand sanitizer everywhere and use it prolifically and we yeah we're taking we're still taking precautions sure. when when we can um well and i mean diseases other than covid still exist i mean that sure. people act like they don't sometimes but 
you know, we had a massively lower flu death rate this past year. Yeah. And I think yes. that might be a nice thing to keep going, personally. I, but, yeah. I just, two, about two weeks ago, came down with something. I don't know what it was. It was not COVID, because I went and got tested twice. Because oh, no. <laughs> it's, well, no. You, I'm like, I don't feel good. I don't feel normal. I don't really, wasn't running a fever. I generally have a cough, but I don't. But since this particular virus is different, it seems like for every everybody, I was like, I'm just going to go get a COVID test. The first day, the mm -hmm. first day I was, I'm going to go get a COVID test. So I went and got a COVID test. It was negative. And I was like, oh, well, it's just like a summer cold. Then it was like around like 10 days later and it didn't seem oh to my be God. getting in. Yeah, it didn't seem to be getting any better. And I had headaches and I was achy and I was like, this is more than a cold. So I was like, I'm going to go get another COVID test. And it also was negative. And then like three days after that, I was fine. But yeah, I just, I wonder how long our sort of post-traumatic stress right. is, is going to hang around. Like, or, I mean, how, how long will we be like, do we have, is this a thing? Because we, we have lots of breakthrough cases. It, sure. The vaccine is not a guarantee against catching it. It's just sort of a, you know, maybe you won't end up in the hospital. You'll just be sick for a few days. Right. Like any other, like any other nasty flu. Um, but you don't want to, you don't want to give that to friends or family. Right, or right. Other people, just like you don't want to give anything to friends or family or other people. Um, so, yeah. Um, I did that. It's, I do wonder how long we'll, we'll ask ourselves, is it, should I, I don't know, maybe I'll go get tested. Well, I mean, that sort of, that dovetails into the other, I guess, big thing for Americans lately is like, at some point, at some point we've left the post 9-11 era as sort of marked by this 20th anniversary and we're now we're we're well into the COVID era, and I guess we're wondering like when does this become the post-COVID era, mm. and you know what what does that look like? I I I honestly don't know. Um, I wonder if we will remember these last eighteen months the same way we remember that day. Right, because there's not a there's not a where were you moment. Right, there's not a. I mean, there's, there's, there is kind of, and then like, where were you when the toilet paper disappeared? Right. You know? Sure. Sure. <laughs> um, like when, when you got the word that if you hadn't been stockpiling for weeks, you were going to be without for a while. Um, yeah. But, but it was certainly more gradual than like the single event or the, the triple right. quadruple event of, of the attacks 20 years ago. Um, right. And maybe like you realized over the course of days or weeks that something was drastically changing rather than over the course of, of minutes, you know? Right. Right. I, I, I doubt very seriously that we will remember these 18 months the same way we remember that, that day. Um, I wonder though, which, which event 
has or has or will have had the most impact in how we view the world and how we deal with the world and right. changes the world. I don't I don't know. Like I think obviously 9/11 changed the United States and sure. the world in in some very not great ways. Uh, it's the distance with this anniversary that keeps coming up in that, you know, the incoming college classes uh, were kids born after it happened. Right. Yeah. That's um, you know, and the sort of, years. yeah, the, the shared, the shared experience we all lived through aspect of it does not exist for them. Like it does right. for millennials and Xers like us. Right. And instead, you know, their stories they'll talk about will be what'd you do for those 18 months when you had right. no toilet paper? Right. Yeah. Right. Well, 9-11 for them is like solidly history. Like it's, Pearl Harbor. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's yeah. It's like the Kennedy assassination or for, well, not quite, quite the Kennedy assassination for us, but like Watergate or something. Yeah. Watergate. Yeah. Like, you know, my mom, I'm sure your parents too could tell you exactly where they were when they found when they heard that Kennedy had been shot. Right, exactly. Um, I and there have been a couple of a couple of those for me in my lifetime, unfortunately, where like the Challenger, the Challenger, exactly. Um, yeah, nine um, eleven. Uh, it's kind of Sandy the big Hook. two of oh, Sandy Hook yeah, and Columbine. Yeah, yep, Columbine, Sandy Hook. Though Columbine at this point was. Uh, what, 20, 23 years ago? Was it 23 years ago? Yeah, 1998, I think, 1999. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> wow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, the last 18 months, because we've, I feel like we've had a lot of time to be introspective, those of us who were inclined to be introspective. Right. Um, I feel like, there's been a lot of like introspection and I'm wondering if, if this doesn't have ultimately a positive effect down the road, not obviously immediately because, you know, we have a lot of loss to deal with and people sure. to mourn, sure. but, but you know, the way we live, um, is not good. It's not great. Um, I mean, there's the whole, at least anecdotally, like people saying, oh, I don't want to have a two-hour commute anymore. I don't want to spend four hours of my day, four hours of my day getting to and from work. And if my and boss doesn't offer me remote working, I'm just going to not work there anymore. You know, the, like the, if if that is changing behavior, I think. Well, I guess we don't know whether that will be for good or bad, but that sounds like a good thing to me. Yeah. I mean, spending more time with your family at home and um, being able to, you know, turn off your computer screen and step out of your home office and then into a family life and not have to have that commute is, yeah, I agree, Tiffin. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, not have to have that commute is 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 great. Um, I think that I don't. I 
wonder what it's going to do to like real estate prices. Yeah, well, I mean, right. What if, I mean, sort of the extreme version of that is commercial real estate, like all right. becomes worthless, right? Like, what I do guess. What do with all the office buildings? Yeah. Uh, uh, turn them into condos. Who knows? Con yeah. I mean, we have lots of homeless people. We could do, turn them into <laughs> affordable housing. We could maybe do it Singapore style and go with the H. BD, HDB, HDB, housing development. Oh, right. Yeah. Like uh, cooperatives. Yeah. Yes. Um, we could do that. I mean, yeah, there's a ton of stuff we could do with, with empty with an empty building. But then the other side of that is if you don't need to physically be at the office to work, do you necessarily want to live in San Francisco or New York, right? Maybe you'd rather be in rural Pennsylvania where it's nice and quiet and as long as you can get broadband like that's all that really matters so I, I yeah mean, th th this could mark sort of a huge turning point in america becoming less urban and more rural but again we don't know like this is all just things we imagine might happen i don't know would it I mean i grew up in rural periodically in rural america um and and you know, then I moved to cities, and I, I like city life. I like. Well, me being, too. I like not needing a car to go get milk. Yeah. <laughs> I like being able to walk out the door and just go get milk. Yeah. In like three minutes and be done. Um, but some people are. I enjoy a country road, or mm. it doesn't bother me to drive forty-five minutes to get my milk. It's fine. Well, um, but I mean, the other like. My my cutoff line is opera. Like I want there to be opera mm. performed near me. Mm. Yes. But you don't need New York for that. You can get that in no. a in Akron or Knoxville. Anywhere. Yeah. You can. Um, I mean, Memphis. Yeah, Memphis. Uh, like, like Jackson. Even um, even if it's not going from cities to at literal rural America, it might be from the big coastal cities where all the jobs are. To more regional areas where there's still a cultural life and still things to do, but not the housing crunch and not the, uh, you know, seven million people within three miles of you in every direction. Right. It, it'll be interesting to see how yeah. it shakes out. Um, and I'm, I'm glad to see that some of the people who've been left behind in the wage earning mm -hmm. sec service, wage earning sectors, service workers particularly are finally, are fin no, I'm not going to do this. This is not cool. Yeah. We are, we are, we are essential workers and we should be paid yeah. accordingly. I mean, there and was a, a tweet, I forget who posted it, but of some McDonald's in Grand Rapids or somewhere that mm. was starting at $18 an hour. And like, great, like that's awesome, you know. Um, yeah, if that's what the, I mean, if you want to, we can do this one of two ways, right? We can, <laughs> if that's what the mar, if we're going to be the totally free market, if that's what the demar market demands, then that's what should be. I'm personally, I don't know, I don't, I've gotten to where I don't, tr I don't trust private. <laughs> companies right. or publicly owned companies or companies in general. Um, 
we can mandate it. Um, but in Denmark, interestingly, Denmark does not have a minimum wage. Right. Despite, neither does uh, Germany, I recall. Yeah. Right. But despite the fact that, like, it's sort of not, it's nominal minimum wage is like $22 an hour. But that's because everybody belongs to a union. Right. And they do uh, sectoral bargaining, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I think that that's great. I think that I don't, I mean, I do know why unions have gotten such a bad rap in Mm -hmm. the U.S. I just, it makes me sad that so many people have, have sort of fallen for that, for lack of a better way of phrasing it. I mean, who have sort of taken on that ideology that unions are bad because I mean, think of all the things we wouldn't have. 40-hour work weeks. Weekends. Holidays. Child labor yeah. laws. We'd still have, like, small yeah. children running behind looms, getting their uh, fingers ripped off. I mean, I but, know that's gruesome, but it's a fact. And But then, so, I mean, the, there's still this other side where there's change coming from. So Amazon announced this week that all their uh, warehouse workers will get free college tuition. That's amazing. Including books and fees and stuff. And, and this, you know, they, they they start at $15 an hour and everyone gets mm. health insurance and, and parental leave, uh, paternal and maternal. That, that, I don't know, there's also, I think, this return to the kind of Carnegie Ford, like, cradle to the grave, uh, you know, paternal capitalism thing that used to be big. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I guess. Right. If you, yeah. If I don't know, I guess if you're gonna go with the paternalistic sort of view of things, you can give with one hand and take with another. And I just, I don't, I don't know that I sort of trust it as much as I trust a union or. Sure. I mean, agreed there. Um, so, I don't know. It'll be interesting to it'll be interesting to see how the next few the next few years have shake out. What else has happened in the world since the last time I talked to you? Oh Lord! Um, well, there's I can say there was a hurricane. There was there were like five, right? Like oh it was this never ending stream of hurricanes through the U.S. Uh, oh, that's true. And then, the, but the one that I'm talking that I'm speaking of specifically is Hurricane Ida, which mm-hmm. hit New Orleans um, and was. Bad, but not as bad as Katrina. So right, right. Thank, thank God for small, tiny favors. Um, There's another one that hit New England, Henri. Oh, uh, yeah, there was. Um, and then, of course, Ida zoomed right on up to New England and caused a lot of flooding oh. in New York. Right, yeah, that was I the think same Henri also. I think Henri also did the same to yeah. New York. Um, so New York is taken him. A beating with the yeah. I've seen lots of flooding in New York. Same, recently. same. Um, and let's see what else. Oh, we ended a war. We ended, yeah, we ended our longest foreign war. Uh, kind of abruptly, but I, that may be the only way to do it. I I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's a tough one. I don't. I mean, I was not a fan of the Afghan war. Right. 
Um, but I do recognize that we had built relationships with a lot of people in that country and we just kind of left them. I mean, left them? Yes. We, and no. This I has mean, been, this has been advertised for more than a year now that this is going to happen. I think people, to some extent, just didn't believe we were actually going to do it because we'd said so many times, we're leaving Afghanistan, we're leaving Afghanistan, but, you know, we finally actually did it. Right. My understanding was that if, if we did not do it by a certain date, then hostilities would have resumed, or at least that was... Or yeah, or it might have at least that was. I, I think that was the part of the leverage sort of looming over this. Yes, and and so nobody wanted that. Yeah, but I mean, I think, it also gets to so the, those same kids who were born after nine eleven. Like this is the first time in their lives that the country is not at war, quote unquote. You know. Yeah, I mean, but to be to be honest, we are always. I mean, we are always in a conflict of some sort or another, and to, we still have troops in like several places around the world currently. And we have eight, how many how many bases do we have around the world? Oh, it's a whole lot. Yeah. It's like is it like eight hundred bases around something the world? like that? Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a lot of, that's a lot of military presence. <laughs> I mean, now that, that includes like, oh, we keep two divisions in Germany just because sure. we do that, you know, and, and another one in Japan and Okinawa and, and there we are. But I don't know, like, have we moved on news cycle wise? I don't hear that much about afghanistan currently i mean no i mean i hear like okay the taliban's letting women go to college but in separate classrooms so that seems like progress from 20 years ago right yes i mean when they didn't let girls go to school at all i don't know yeah it's it, it was hard it's I'm it's a hard call yeah. to figure out, but I don't know. That's why that's why I'm not the president <laughs> or a joint, the joint chief chiefs, or yeah. or <laughs> any of those things. Um, yeah, I just. <sighs> so I, we mentioned at the start rentrée, which is what they call this mm-hmm. this season in France when everyone ah. gets back from vacation. And this was uh, also rentrée for the protesters in France, who are now <laughs> back in full force after their sure it's fall. Yeah, exactly. So we had uh, we went out to uh, there's a very small uh, Indian neighborhood in Paris, uh, mostly Tamil and Sri Lankan, so I guess South Asian more than Indian. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went out there for lunch, and then somehow we. We managed to keep running into these police and gilets jaunes uh, as we tried to get back home, but there was always a protest uh, in the direction we wanted to go. So that's, uh, I guess we got a little spoiled by a a Paris with fewer protesters in it, and we have Mm. to go back to the 
default setting of assume on a weekend that there will be angry people uh, turn, turning cars over. Yeah. So had that sort of taken a, a breather during the pandemic, I'm guessing, as well? Or had there been uh, never sort of here and there? So, yeah, as long as public gatherings were allowed, um, there were protests. Uh, it was more in the mm. past couple of months, late July and August. Um, mm. Just there's no one they also in take the city. A break. Yeah, they also take a break. They go somewhere else. I don't know if they protest where they are, but where, wherever they go, it, it's not Paris. Oh, interesting. That's So do you know what they were protesting? Um I think this one was the vac- not the vaccine mandate per se, but the uh, the the health passport, the the sanitary, the the health pass thing. Yeah, that's like the easiest one. It's, I mean, you would think, and the the app doesn't even require a vaccination because you can just get the the swab every forty eight hours, and then the negative test is on your app, and you can go to a restaurant or a museum or whatever. But, huh. you know, people people got to protest. Well, I mean, it is very much a part of the cultural identity. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's well, like and then wine, the. Uh, yeah. The mayor of Paris just announced she's running on the socialist uh, party line against Macron uh, for the next election. So she's very popular here. And oh, that, that will be interesting to see how she does. Because the the French left for, God, for 10 years now has been trying to find someone that they can coalesce around. Yeah. And they'll probably not coalesce around her, too. But if they do, it would be, you know, like back in the uh, Hollande days. Okay, yeah. Hollande, yeah. Hollande, yeah. That's that's an interesting development. Um, Germany will have... uh, an election this month. Oh, that's right. To replace Angela uh, Merkel. Merkel. She's uh, she will be retiring, and and we will be down one Angela Merkel. I yeah, mean, <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> I don't know that. I don't. I don't know. She's been so amazing. I don't know that. Like, and she's been there for so long too. I, yeah, she has. Yes, she has. Uh, I don't know that we'll ever. I don't know. I'm sure <laughs> it'll be fine. Hopefully, I mean it's Germany, so I, may, I better not say yeah say that. But like, I'm clearly like any any country can always go an unexpected way. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's it's gonna be weird to not have her in the driver's seat of Germany and at the forefront of European politics uh, yeah and after. and if they elect someone who's more skeptical of migration of refugees that's going to change a whole lot of the yeah. co- continent wide of the politics so yeah that's also a thing that like I don't even I mean I don't even know about I, re- I, I don't even really know how the immigration is going is it more or less now than it was in 2015 right when we had the the you know the wars and 
all the things that were happening in the Middle East that were sort of driving people out of that area of the world. Um, they haven't stopped. It seems like there's are still hot spot kind of places. So I don't, I don't even, but I don't know if immigration has slowed. I just, it's not in the press, so I don't know. Are you, are you looking it up? <laughs> I, I was trying to, didn't, uh, didn't find anything. So, I mean, it's not in, I should say it's not in the English speaking press. Because yeah. That's yeah. 90, exactly. 99% of what I read what is still same, English speaking. Same. Um, how, how did your in-laws visit go? It was good. It was good. It was, it was rainy. Um, uh, <laughs> for the, for a lot of it. So we had a lot of cozy, cozy time. Um, but we just hung out and, and did, took walks and along the beach and in the forests and just, it was really nice. And hmm. they each, they had time with each of the kids. Um, it was really nice. It was not a big, they didn't have a lot of problems getting in or out. Um, oh, that's they good. Had, they had all their documentation. Of course, you have to have more, or at least then, right. you had to have you had to have your vaccination card, and you had to have like a proof of uh, negative PCR, PCR test. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like right. within seventy-two hours of you know landing and mm-hmm. taking off and all that. Um, but it was other than that, it was smooth sailing. Uh, yeah, no, no, it was good. We had a good time. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, and then, and then it's all the, the kids went back to school, and, and that's been going good. And, and it's the it's the alleged restart of of normal life again, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I mean, <laughs> I mean. I don't know. I, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm not. It's skeptical is not the word. It's more cautious. Um, I think part of, part of the caution, lies in the fact that we are just us. Mm-hmm. Like, and it, this is kind of true for anybody, but more so for like, if one of us gets sick, the other one has has no backup. Right. Right. Um, I and while we do have friends, I wouldn't want to expose them to a potentially dangerous situation. But then again, if we lived in the states, I wouldn't want to expose any of my relatives and friends and or friends to a, a potentially dangerous situation. So in that sense, the the this virus has definitely been an, an equalizer. In that, like you kind of really are on your on your own in your own little island and if something goes wrong you really only have yourselves to look out for each other and as much as we have people who would love to help and would probably like leave a casserole outside our door i wouldn't want to i wouldn't want to expose them to anything so we've we've been cautious we'll continue to be cautious neither one of us wants to get sick and certainly mm-hmm. like neither one of us wants to 
um, have to go to the hospital or have, God forbid, have one of our children get sick or one of our children go to the hospital. We've, mm-hmm. that is, you know, we've been a family who's caught like had pneumonia and mm-hmm. dad's been out of town and it was just mom and had to go to the hospital at midnight and yeah, had to call friends to come and watch the other two while yeah. that happened. And it, it just really, you just have to be, it feels like you have to be more careful about your health when you are just you and your and your spouse and your kids. And mm. you, you don't have the backup right. that you could have in the States. Yeah. Or that's true for any expatriated family, though. If you live far away from family or even family that lives across country. Like if you don't live around family, then, you know, yeah, it's hard. You have to be careful. 